there was something I was thinking about. Many times, what we call trouble, God calls training. <laughs> Swinging already. <laughs> Many times, what we call a disappointment or adversity is actually God making sure we're not wasting time. I remember speaking about this on our Christmas Eve service last year. There was this article I read entitled, Is There a Catfish in Your Life? And it was, it was so interesting. I was trying to share with the church that now one of the most popular fishes in restaurant is salmon. Back in the early 1990s, if you didn't grow up in the 90s, you missed it. <laughs> but in the 90s, one of the most popular fish was cod. And so I was articulating how they were trying to transport cod all the way from Florida to California, but the chefs were, were like, okay, this fish is fishy. Y'all ever taste fish that tastes fishy? Like, I know it's a fish, but it ain't supposed to taste fishy. It's not fresh, and they decided, okay, instead of freezing the fish and shipping it from Florida to California, we're going to put the fish in this fish tank. And they put the fish in the fish tank, and then when they got to California, the chefs cooked it and were like, you know, it still tastes fishy. So what they decided to do was put a catfish in the same tank with the cod because one of the predators for cod is catfish. And so then when the chefs cooked the fish in California, they were like, now this is fresh. It doesn't taste fishy. What did y'all do? They put adversity in the tank with the cod. So the whole way to California, that fish is swimming. That fish is running. And what if God loves you so much that sometimes we have gotten spiritually dull, spiritually not fresh, prayer life dull, and fasting dull, and discernment dull. And God says, you know what? I'm going to help you. Here's your catfish. <laughs> because without this adversity, you would never change. Without this trial, you would never change. And I just want to try to encourage somebody to shift your perspective. Perhaps God loves me so much that he won't let me stay the same. I know, golf claps, I know. Four, I understand. Could it be God loves you so much where he's trying to help you not waste your time? Could it be God loves you so much that he's trying to help you have discernment? He shows you the red flag early. Because if you're like me, I don't want to see the flag after I've been invested. Show it to me early. Because I don't have time to waste time. I really believe that this message that we're going to talk about today is prophetic. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 39, verse 4. Psalms 39 verse 4. One verse is where we're going to launch our scripture reading in just a few moments. But let's pray, and then we're going to hear what it is that the Holy Spirit wants us to glean on for a few moments in time on this Sunday afternoon. Father God, you're awesome. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the gift of life, allowing us to see a new day, a day that we never saw before, and a day that we will never see again. For that, we simply say thank you. Thank you, God, for allowing us to see the seasons change, which reminds us that things don't last always. 
And God, if it be your, your will, thank you for allowing us a few more days and we're about to cross over into a new year so that we can say I struggled last year. I did that last year. But as we are, by your grace, and if you will, allow us to cross over into a new year, give us a kingdom perspective to maximize our time while we're in time. All of the study means absolutely nothing if you aren't magnified, if you aren't glorified. And just like I petitioned to you privately, I'm also asking you publicly. Use me as your oracle, the soundtrack, the PA system of heaven. In Jesus' name, we're asking that you do it. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout all over the room and in online, amen. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we are swiftly approaching the last two weeks, or say it like this, we are in the final countdown. We are in the final countdown of the 2023 calendar year, and we find ourselves placed and parked in this amazing prophetic sermon series entitled Timing. And God has and is breathing on this particular sermon series a little different. I don't know if y'all can sense it or if y'all can feel it, but this particular series is a little more sobering. This particular series is a little more riveting. It is as though God really wants to use this timing series as we are, in, as we are entering the end of time for a certain time frame in our lifetime to get us to focus and to be people who know how to steward and protect your time. Somebody say protect your time. Protect your time, protect your time, protect your time, protect your time. It's one of the greatest commodities that you and I have, your time. It's one of the most valuable resources and possessions that you and I have, your time. It is, along with the gift of salvation, one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave you and one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave me is the gift of time. Time is a gift because time equals life. Therefore, to waste time is to waste life. And I know somebody might be like, okay, pastor, if I be honest, I'm a little upset. I'm a little agitated. In fact, those preachers, ministers, and prophets have about two and a half more weeks before I label them as a false prophet. Because they told me December the 31st of 2022 that 2023 was going to be my year. 2023 will be the year I'm a billionaire and a millionaire. 2023 will be the year I get married. I am as single as a leaf on a branch. <laughs> they told me that this would be my year of jubilee. They have about two and a half more weeks before I label them as false prophets. I thought right now, at this junction of my life, my life will look different. I thought that by the time we get to December of 2023, I would be at a certain place in my life. And I hear you, but I need you to hear me. It's not that time is the problem. It's trusting God's timing that is. Here come your neck. Time is not the problem. Wasting it is. Time is not the problem. Not knowing where to use it is. Time is not the problem. It's our inability to be able to distinguish and discern a time waster. That is, 
The problem is not time. It's our inability to trust God's timing and be able to identify things that are wasting our time because time is fair currency, meaning there's an equality when it comes with time. There is no such thing as you being rich with time or you being poor with time. The billionaire and the beggar both have 24 hours. <laughs> We both, well, this ain't fair. It is fair. We all have 24 hours, and we all have seven days a week. The difference is what you choose to do with your 24. What you choose to do, ooh, it's going to come for somebody's scalp on today. What you choose to do with the time that you have left. Time is precious. So for you to waste it is to waste the most precious parts of you. Because time is precious. Time, and when we get this understanding, this biblical wisdom and intelligence, when it comes to time, you understand this. If I don't steward my time and protect my, my time, people and my habits will help me waste it. <laughs> when I don't know how to steward it and protect it, my boys, my girls, my bae, whoever it is, will help me waste time. This is why I believe the psalmist says, in Psalms 39, verse 4, O Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. I want us to exegete this where we can really understand it. When the psalmist tells us, O Lord, make me know my end, the word in there is destination. It's where we get the word destiny. So he's saying, help me know my destiny let me know my purpose why am i here why am i in this time frame why am i in this race why am i in this ethnicity why am i listening to this word help me know my end then the next part says so that i could measure my days what is he saying i could steward my time let me know how fleeting i am meaning i'm gonna die one day so i want us to see these three bullets in a chart form just from this one verse on what the psalmist is saying. When he says, make me know my end, he's saying, okay, I need to know my assignment so that I can steward my time with my assignment because one day I'm going to run out of time to do my assignment. This making sense. Help me know my end. Help me know my assignment, my purpose, my mission, the reason of my birth. Help me know my assignment so I can know how to steward my assignment because one day I'm going to run out of time to do my assignment. It's too late for me to try to do my assignment when I'm 86 on my deathbed. Help me know it now. Remember now thy creator. When? In the days of thy youth. Help me know it now. You want to identify somebody who wastes time? Show me somebody who doesn't know what they're supposed to do. They will date anybody talk to anybody? That's like a great first question. What do you believe God put you here to do? I don't know right now. I'm just, uh, <laughs> if you don't know, this means you're not going to know what to do with me because you don't know what God's supposed to do with you. So you're surely not going to know what you're supposed to do with me because you don't even know what you're supposed to do with you. Maybe this is why he or she keeps saying, I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps they tell them the truth. They really don't. No, help me know my end. And I just have a sneaky suspicion 
that there are possibly five, maybe seven of us in the sacred sanctuary or in the overflow or watching online that due to this biblical wisdom over time have arrived to have this posture in your heart when it comes to time wasters being confused on why you're no longer spending time with them. This is your posture. It's not personal. It's spiritual. Maybe just five of us, the rest of us, you can just sit there, look holy, and look cute. But for some of us, we're like, okay, it's not personal, it's spiritual. I'm not coming with you to get high. I need to focus on breaking these strongholds so it can no longer have a stronghold on me in 2024. And it won't have a stronghold on my children. And it won't have a stronghold on my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. I can't get high with you right now. I need to use my time doing this. It's not personal. No, it's, it's, it's spiritual. I don't have time to get faded with you right now. I understand some people get drunk around the holidays. I need to be sober. I need to be sober-minded. I need to focus on breaking this, this cycle because mama got drunk and daddy got drunk and my uncles are drunk and my brother died of being drunk and driving. I don't want that same cycle to come on my life and I die before my time. I'm going to use my time breaking this cycle by the power of the Holy Spirit. So no, I'm not going over there. It's not personal. It's is spiritual. No, I'm not dating anybody right now because if I be honest, my freak runs deep. I do not apologize. My generation requires real. My freak runs deep. I don't need to be dating anybody right now because every man I see is a possible orgasm exchange. Every woman I see is a possible orgasm exchange or a wife or a husband. I need to heal from all of the porn. I need to heal from the molestation. I need to heal from the perversion because I don't see you as a sister in the kingdom. I see you as an object for my lust. So right now, I'm not dating. I'm not booing. I'm not responding to anything. A season might come when I'm ready for that, but right now, I need God to give me this fruit, self-control. That's why I'm not going out with you. It's not personal. It's spiritual. About seven of us got it. Because I recognize that people and decisions have a price tag on them. And the method of payment is my time. Talk, Holy Spirit. People and decisions come with the price tag. And you know how you pay? With your time. With your time, and I don't have time to pay with my time for somebody that's a waste of my time that made me lose, lose years in time. See, here's the thing that's dangerous about a time waster. You don't know that they stole your time. <laughs> Y'all need to come up here and preach. You don't know that they stole your time until after they stole your time. And maybe it's just me, but I'm like, God... Give me the discernment to see time thieves before I let them be a thief. Anybody who is quiet in here today online, y'all need to help me because right now we're coming for edges and the Holy Spirit is touching some people. I feel all types of toes. (laughs) And here's the thing. Certain people will mislabel you for protecting your time as you not liking people. Why you don't hang with your sister? You don't like them? Why you don't go with them? Why don't you spend time with them? Do you dislike them? I'm like, no, I don't dislike them. I discern them. That's a whole shirt. I don't dislike you. I discern you. You are a time thief. What were you doing last night? I was talking to my boo for four hours. No, you were talking to a thief. 
you were talking to a thief, and it's not going to be until May of 2024 that you recognize that was a thief. Help us, Holy Spirit. So what God is trying to get us to do, not only does he want to enhance our discernment, but he wants to protect our time because there is a war over your time. Heaven is striving to get us to use our time for the glory of God, while hell is trying to get us to waste our time for the glory of you. Did y'all hear what I just said? There's a war over your time. Heaven is striving to get you to use your time for the glory of God, while hell is trying to get you to waste your time for the glory of you. This is what I want. This is where I want to be. This is my money. This is my feelings. This is my time, as though all of your time is not loaned to you. See, spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. See, can we go a little deeper? Okay, right side, y'all stronger today. Let's go a little deeper. The reason that hell uses time thieves is because hell doesn't have to fight hard against stuck people. The devil, bought, the devil hasn't messed with you since 2014. That time waster was his security deposit that you won't move. He doesn't have to fight hard against stuck people because we will never be a threat to the camp of hell and walk in our kingdom authority as long as we are labeling what hell is using as a thief as an opportunity. I have such a great opportunity. I got this great offer. God is so good. He's opening all these doors. What a wonderful opportunity. That's not an opportunity. That's a thief. It's designed to steal your time so that you could be outside of the will of God and be upset about the timing of God. Protect your time. Protect your time. We will never be a threat to the camp of hell. And effectively walk in our kingdom authority. As long as what hell is using as a thief, we're calling our boo. We're calling our bae. We're calling it zaddy. We're calling it our girl. Whatever name you want to call it. See, if we had some spiritual insight, I believe we would start introducing people by what they really are. Yeah, how are you doing? Who is this? Oh, my name is Jerry and this is my thief. <laughs> This is the person that's designed to steal my time and keep me out of the will of God. What if we had spiritual insight where we just start telling the truth? What you doing? I'm watching my favorite thief. My favorite thief. I've seen all seven seasons. It's still in my time. I'm not an involved father, but I'm involved in watching the NFL. It's still in my time. I'm not an involved mother. I want my, my, my iPads to entertain my children to death and then wonder why they don't listen to you because children spell love, T-I-M-E. I want them to use that where I can watch my favorite thief. Is this too real? <laughs> what if we begin to start to tell the truth, have the spiritual insight to introduce things the way that they really are? You are either investing your time are you are spending your time. My wife and I and our children, we were at this park that these people made and they had all these nice trees. And I was teaching my children 
the art of being outside. Y'all remember that? <laughs> and so then I said, you know, we used to climb trees. This tree is a perfect climbing tree. And so they began to climb the tree and they were having fun and I was watching them and a thought came to my mind as we were in this park. Man, we are enjoying a tree that somebody planted 40 years ago. Because investing time benefits others. Talk, Lord. Some of us need therapy right now because our parents wasted time with us. We are currently looking for love in bedrooms because your parent didn't love you in living rooms. Time is an investment that benefits others or time is a bill that charges others. And we're paying the bill that somebody before us was supposed to pay. I'm like, we are enjoying shade from a tree that somebody planted 40 years ago. I'll never see him, never meet him. But we are enjoying this moment in time because of what they decided to do with their time. I can make it personal. This week, I used a portion of my time studying for this moment. So what I was doing was investing my time that will edify the body of Christ. Because what you do with your time should benefit more than just you. Talk Holy Spirit. And so I'm like, I think we need to speak around this thought from this subject. Lost in time. Yeah, I said, God, you're so creative. That's a great title. <laughs> Lost in time. Help my people understand that I placed them in time. And it's possible due to all of the distractions in time that they got lost in time. But Jesus loves to seek and save that which has been lost. As I was preparing for this moment, this article that I read a few years ago, it came back to my mind this week. The article asked this question. It says, if you were given $86,400 Every day, how would you spend it? But here's the catch. You can't save it. You can't store it. And you can't transfer it over to the next day. At midnight, that your account goes from whatever you spent back to $86,400. What would you do with it? Would you fly to Paris and eat the fresh cuisine and take trips and go on vacations? What would you do? With the money, or would you go shopping, get that motorcycle, that car, that boat that you really wanted? Or would you be generous and give to a place that spiritually edifies you or give to an outreach? What would you do with $86,400 if you got it every day? You get 86,400 seconds every day. You can't transfer it over to the next day. At midnight, that 86,400 seconds starts over. Wow. Now, I'm going to be generous here. Health professionals tell us that we should sleep for eight hours a day. So if you were to sleep for eight hours a day, now you're left with 57,600 seconds. 
What are you doing with every second? This is why you can't afford to be lazy. This is why you can't afford to be distracted. One minute of being distracted is 60 seconds off of your 57,600 seconds. I'm getting this church family. You know one of the greatest contributors to our spiritual laziness? We think we have more time. I promise it is one of the great. This is why we are so lazy because we think we have more time. Oh, you would live different if you knew how much time you had left. There's certain people you would call and talk to if you knew that they were going to die tonight. I promise you what you label as important to you would no longer be as important to you if you knew you were going to die on Tuesday. What you label as unimportant would no longer be unimportant if you really knew when you were going to take your last breath in time. The danger to most Christians, especially Western Hemisphere Christianity, is we really think we have more time. And time is not promised to no man. Help me to know my end and measure my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. And I think the scary reality is every second is a day that you lost that you'll never get again. With your time, is it investing in your tomorrow? Or is it the choices that you're making right now already robbing your tomorrow? Which is why certain people are saying, 2024, I'm going to, because you know 2023, you wasted. And you view a new year as a perfect opportunity to change. And if I could say it like the Holy Spirit put it in my heart, you may not see 2024. So you're telling me you're going to risk your change when you don't know how fleeting I am. So many of us are drowning in the depths of things that don't matter. Things that don't matter. Which is why we keep saying stuff like, I feel so lost. I just don't understand what point I'm at in my life. I know I'm at a point, but I don't know the point. But it's pointing pretty point-like. <laughs> but I've gotten to certain points in my life. I don't know why I got to this point. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to get you to understand, I need you to get to that point of frustration so that I can get you to the point of your appointment. But it's not until you're frustrated with the cheap sex. It's not until you're frustrated with living beneath my kingdom standard that you'll ever desire to change. I promise you are not waiting on God. You're not waiting on God. God is ready, he is willing, and he is able to make sure that you have clarity. He's not hiding discernment for those who only like pray seriously. No, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the reason this series is so sobering is because it reminds us that we all have a date with the cemetery. Young, I don't care if you're 24. The cemetery is filled with young people and old people. So there's these scriptures I want us to see. I want you to see how God feels about lost, and then I want you to see how God views time. 
so that we could see it's possible that we forgot there's another you on the inside of you. And you could have gotten so caught up with time that you're lost in it. Okay? Luke chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus is giving this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses five of them. Y'all not reading your Bible. Loses ten of them. One. Okay, so. Suppose... One of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is joyful, puts it on his shoulders. That is symbolic of now you are letting me guide you. No longer you walking on your own. You got out here with your own feet. But now let me help you get back to where you're supposed to be with my feet. Puts him on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Meaning they're not living in blatant, unconfessed, unrepented sin. Okay? Then he goes on, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses eight of them, loses seven of them, one. Look how God cares about every one. <laughs> or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, search, search carefully until she finds it, and when she finds it? She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. It wasn't until this week that I noticed every time something is found, Jesus says people around should rejoice. I'm not just happy that I found it. I'm going to tell everybody else that I found it. You know what that's called? Testimony. I'm going to let everybody else know I used to be like this, but Jesus... I used to be a stripper, but Jesus. I used to be a dope boy, but Jesus. I used to be a wee head, but Jesus. I know looking at me right now, you can't tell. That's just irrefutable evidence that I don't look like what I've been through. I serve the type of God that knows how to wash me. Every time we do an altar call and we do the prayer of salvation, once we say amen, everybody should turn up. Why? Because Jesus says, tell your neighbors and your friends. And I think the reason we all should be excited is because you know what it's like when you were lost. Maybe you can't shout and you can't be excited because you're possibly still lost. And you don't know what it feels like to be lost but now found peace and found clarity and found hope and found sleep. I'm talking about sleep at night where your mouth is open, you drooling, you wake up, you didn't move, you in the same position. When you used to toss and turn at night, can't sleep at night, needed your bullet to go to sleep, needed some melatonin to go to sleep. Now I got the Prince of Peace that can help me go to sleep. I'm thankful you can get that. I'm thankful you have that. Somebody say lost. He goes on in Luke chapter 19 as he's speaking to Zacchaeus. Verse 9, Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. 
For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Somebody say lost. lost. Now let's say time. time. Okay, so I want you to see the installation of timing. It starts in Genesis chapter 1. I'm in teacher mode where you can get this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. This is where God is installing timing. Verse 14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. So before God ever made you, he made time. Timing, okay? So we, we really have to get this because if we understand this, this basic theology, our prayers will be different. God lives in eternity, not time. He lives in eternity. That's forever. Okay? He created time and placed us in it. So when you are praying and you feel God is taking his time, it's because you forget that to God a day is as a thousand years. The only reason you are frustrated with the timing of God it's not that God is not hearing your prayers. It's not that God doesn't have a plan for your life. Your deadline is frustrating you. It's your deadline you gave God that's making you mad, not God himself. It's when you want God to do it. Now, this next one in Ecclesiastics has some depth to it. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. I was going to hopscotch, but I said, no, we need to see all this. So, so that we could really, really get it. Thank God for churches that preach the Bible. So that we could understand this. I want you to see this. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Remember, we just read that. Okay? So under heaven, in time, there's a purpose for everything. Then Solomon starts to go off. He says, a time to be born, and there's a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck what was planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain, and a time to lose. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war. What profit has the worker from that which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. So this text is saying there's a time for everybody who's in time. And what you're supposed to do in time is occupy your task with your time. The reason you're so distracted is because you're in time, but you don't know what you're supposed to do in time. So you're occupied with everything in time except the task that you're supposed to be occupied with in time. Is this making sense? I know there's a lot of time and time. Somebody's snapping. I'm not spitting poetry. <laughs> I'm spitting the word. Says, okay, get this. God looked in time that he created. And then he looked at you. And then he saw what dispensation of time you will be needed. You need to be born 
1985. Because from 1985 to 2075, or however long you're going to live, there's something I need you to fix. You're not even given time yet. But out of time, I'm seeing what you need to do with your time while you're in the earth. I need you to be born in 2000. I was talking to Tanisha. I said, man, somebody who was born in 2000 is 23. That's crazy. <laughs> we must be getting old or something. I need you to be born in 2000 because from 2000 to 2090, there's going to be a lower desire of the hunger of the word of God. And I'm going to put a fire in your belly so that during those 80 plus years of your life, you will be able to use your time so that you could help me with your time so that when you're out of time, all the people that you touched in time can be with me forever when there is no more time. Just making sense. I got to go a little deeper so we can get this. It's possible you lost the you that I knew before you had time. The you that I know, you lost it in time because of all of the distractions of time. And you keep on entertaining things that are wasting your time. You know the reason why the, the Lord knocks? He knocks so that he can get your attention with your time. Because the more you ignore the knocking, this is a little distraction and a little annoying. And that conviction should get annoying after a while. That not being able to sleep, that's not insomnia, that's an invitation. When you gonna open up? When you gonna open the door for me to, to be able to give you peace? When you gonna answer this? He's not going to open it. He's just going to keep knocking. Keep knocking. Some of us have been ignoring it for five years, for nine years, ten years. Some people don't answer it until they're taking their last breath. God, forgive me. There's something that I need you to do with your time. I want us to say this, and I want to break it down even deeper. Is it all right if I teach for a few moments? Can I get us to say this confession? Father, Father. heal and reveal the you I'm supposed to be. Thank you for leaving the 99 just for me. One more time. Father, heal and reveal the you I'm supposed to be. Thank you for leaving the 99 just for me. Touch your chest make it personal just for me. It hits different when that one is you. What you are you supposed to be while you're in time? This is why I was trying to get us to understand this back in March of this year when I did a whole sermon on abortion. I'm not afraid to preach the gospel and what the Bible says. I did a whole sermon, not a cliff note. A whole sermon called Baby Steps. Trying to get us to view abortion from God's perspective, not to condemn those that did it, but to save those who are considering doing it. Because to commit abortion is to give a death, a death penalty to somebody who didn't do what you did. So I was, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us to see this. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, a scripture that most of us heard. It says, before I formed you in the womb... I knew. What's that word? Y'all shout it to me. What's that word? Okay, please don't miss this. 
Before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born. So this means before your mama was pregnant. Before she ever saw your daddy. Before all that, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed, there's that word. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So look, look at the depths of this. God is saying, before your mama ever got pregnant, I know you as a prophet. When I give you a clock and then I call you, it's so that you can walk into the you I knew that you were going to be because I knew you before you were ever formed. A little deeper. Psalms 139, verse 13. Psalms 139, verse 13. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Stop saying that you're not all that and that you're ugly. The devil is a liar. <clears throat> God doesn't make mistakes. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full and well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So get this. Before you were ever born, there's a you that God needs for you to be. The reason we're speaking on timing is because your birthday is God giving you a clock. The reason repentance and responding to the call of salvation is needed when you're young is because now if you answer it at 18, 16, 14, you have more time to do what you're supposed to do in time. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just trying to inform us. A lot of us have been wasting time. And you're going to run out of time. When your life stops, is because your time has stopped. When your time stops, your life stops. Which is why in the hospital, once you take your last breath, they say this person is deceased at this time. When you're born, they say they entered the world at this time. Everything about our life has a time stamp. So if, if I can go a little deeper, I really want to prove this point. I really want to prove this point where, you, where we can get this. Judges chapter 13, verse 3. God's plans for you. Please hear me, family. God's plans for you happened before your mama was pregnant. Y'all don't believe me. Okay, cool. Let me show you the Bible. Judges 13, verse 3. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren. Look at this, y'all. And childless. Nothing's in your stomach right now. Your period isn't late yet. You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant. And I even know the gender. It's, you're going to give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fermented drink. And that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Because the boy is to be a Nazarite. 
dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. She's not even pregnant with Samson yet. And God is already saying, okay, you're childless, you're barren. But you're going to get pregnant. And oh, the gender's a boy. And this is what I need you to do as you're carrying him because this is his assignment that he's supposed to carry out. And you're not even pregnant with him yet. I know what I need him to do in time before I ever give him a clock. Give you more Bible. Y'all can see this. Genesis chapter 7, verse 19. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. So now he's being more intentional what you're going to call the baby. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Just a little spiritual advice. Don't Google what you're going to name your child. Pray. It's for real. Don't make it up. Hope this ain't nobody named Shokoyala. Don't just, just pray. Don't like, man, this tequila so good. What you going to name your baby? Tequila girl. Let, let, let's, let's, let's understand whatever you're calling them, you're calling them. If you name them based on how you conceive them, they will be walking around with what you conceived. Okay, give you more Bible. Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Y'all going to get this today. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son. And you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. How does he know all this? He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedience of the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Life doesn't start at conception. It starts at ordination. I gave you Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse so you could see God's plans for you don't come once you're out of the womb. When you are in eternity, he already had a plan. And that's the you that he's calling for you to be before you ever got here. I I gave you an assignment. Whoever the people are, I I want you to bring them up here. Before you ever got here, I gave you an assignment. I need us to really get this, y'all, because studying this, this this week changed everything for me. No wonder the devil wants you insecure. No, no wonder he wants you doubtful. Because remember, it happens in the spirit realm before it ever happens in the natural realm. And I'm just trying to get somebody to understand the devil believes in you more than you believe in you. 
because he gets how this works. God gives you an assignment before you're ever here. Before you're ever here. Tiffany, I, I want you to be right in the middle. We're going to have to squeeze because this, this little thing will be symbolic of an elevator. So, but just for a few seconds, let me get like four of y'all over here by the stairs and the rest of y'all over here by the stairs where they can see where it looked like you in the elevator. That looked like she in the elevator? Okay. <laughs> so now, before you're ever born, I give you your assignment. You don't know your assignment. You don't remember your assignment. It's not until you get saved that things start to make sense. I evaluated my own life. I've always been good with speaking and persuasion. I was the fifth grade president. We were about to get, we were about to miss recess because the whole class was acting up. And I said, can I, can I say something? <laughs> I said, I think maybe you've taught the class so well that we were able to expedite the process of our homework. And that's why we have recess activity because we're already done because you taught us so well. So punishing us from recess won't help us be better fifth graders. And she's like, that was actually very clever. <laughs> Y'all go have recent. I'm persuasive as a fifth grader on debate in middle school. In college, the dean of the Department of Communication says, I don't know if you're going to be a politician. If you're gonna, you are very good at persuasive. Your penmanship isn't that good, though. <laughs> but you can persuade people. Don't be a car salesman. <laughs> now I can look back. God gave me that gift when I was in eternity. Persuade people to live for me. Persuade them. Persuade them I'm better than hooker. Persuade them I'm better than that high. Persuade them. Make every atheist and agnostic person that you run into. First ask them, is it you don't believe or you won't believe? Because if you don't believe, let's have a conversation. If you won't believe, it's a waste of my time. But I know my faith so much so where I can answer the hard questions of the Bible because I have been made to persuade people that Jesus is better. Gave her the assignment. Now, she's born. So she's given a clock. So in life, you have an assignment and what? A clock. Time, right, let's do it one more time because I was wrong. In life, you have an assignment and what? The only way you know what you're supposed to do with your assignment and with your time is to surrender to the one that gave them both to you. It's making sense. Now, here's the benefit of it. When we accept Christ, our life then becomes like a pre-programmed elevator. You are ordained to go to the top. That's not just trying to get some emotion. That's Bible. That's Deuteronomy chapter 28. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. But we usually don't finish that scripture. Carl, let's finish it. I just want them to see the scripture just in case because we shout over that. Yes, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Okay, if we finish it, it then says, if, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today, and are careful to, to observe them and obey them. So it said, okay, yes, you are the head and not the tail. If 
If you don't do the if, you the tail and not the head. I'm reading the Bible. Nobody likes to preach about the ifs or promises. They just want to quote the promises but forget the if. Okay. So, I called you, and now your life is ordained to go to the top. So, on the first floor of your life, you have a mama and a daddy. Jonathan, Destiny, y'all come here. Y'all try to squeeze in this elevator. Y'all can go behind or in front of or whatever. That's the first level. First level, your parents. Some of them were there. Some of them weren't. But God's original design, both of them be there. I know that we have messed up, but just because we messed up does not mean I shouldn't preach kingdom. Okay? So, after this level, you start to go up. You start to grow. You go to level two. You learn a little bit more about your faith. You're going up to level three. Now, the enemy is kind of threatened because she's going up. All y'all dudes, come here. All of y'all. Y'all stand right in front. Y'all stand right in front. All of them. Get in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> you going to get it today. Whatever I got to do. So now, she is trying to squeeze in the use of her time with all of these level three people when she's called for level 10. <laughs> She's interested at a different phase at this level in each and every one of them. But here's the thing. Every elevator has a weight capacity. This is so good, y'all. I had to pause. Is it you're stuck, sis? Or is it your life has a weight capacity? And you keep entertaining everybody who slides in your elevator. <laughs> your edges. Your hair, all of them. You entertain everybody who comes in your life as though God sent all of them. <laughs> and ever so often, y'all come here, ladies, God sends you kingdom friends. Y'all get in front. He sends you kingdom friends to try to remind you of who you are called to be. Okay? Now watch this. Everybody, can y'all even see Tiffany anymore? She's lost. Somebody said, okay, persuade, I heard you. <laughs> You're lost. Not because God doesn't love you, but because at level three, God and, God and the enemy both sent people, same season. The reason the enemy sent more is because God is so strong that he don't need all that. I just need one Holy Spirit-filled person. The devil, I need legions. I need to jump you. Whoever, under the sound of my voice and watching online, you feel lost, maybe because this is how you look in the spirit. You're surrounded by people at level three when you're called to go to level 10. 
Now, here's the thing about open doors. I don't even know if y'all can see the door open anymore. Open the door, Carl. Here's the thing about open doors. What makes an elevator work is people have to come on and people have to get off. If they stay on, everybody is stuck on this elevator. And everybody at level seven who's supposed to meet you can't meet you because you're stuck at level three. Every person who's supposed to come in your life at level eight can't come in your life at level eight because the door is open, but I can't. There's always that person that try to squeeze in. Excuse me. Excuse me. There's no room. <laughs> now, like four of y'all just walk off. Don't matter, just four. Y'all make sure y'all count. Okay. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Keep having the door open. I think the church has been preaching to us the wrong perspective of open doors. What if open doors aren't always for you? They're not always for you. They're for people who are blocking you. So they had to leave. Now, Tiffany, come squeeze up front. Come squeeze up front. Now, what you don't need to do, just kind of be symbolic, just put your hand like you're pushing a button. I hold your clock. What you need to do is don't hold the door open. Every elevator has these little button at the bottom, door closed, door open. Don't you hold that door open. Why don't you come back? What did I do? Why did they hurt me like this? If they leave, let the door close. Let it close. Because as long as you hold the door open, you're wasting time. This is so good. Now let's keep going up. Let's go to like level five. She's at level three. She's level four. She's at level five. Now, Jonathan, you were seasonal. So you go. Destiny, you definitely were seasonal. So you go. Those are our parents, you know, the season. Ever so often, come up, Avi, God gives you a once-in-a-lifetime friend. Hear me, please hear me. They're not going to leave. They're always going to remind you of this. And it's going to irritate your flesh. But you won't find Avi if you keep the crowd. See? So God will give you a John, he will give you a Peter, he will give you a James that will help you with your assignment and help you go up. But it wasn't until they left, I promise you their exit's prophetic. It wasn't until they left where she could even move up. She is saved, filled with the Holy Spirit but could not see things spiritually because of her clique. Lost in time. So what I want this visual aid to serve you with is don't allow people to keep you at a level that's beneath your potential. See, now all of y'all leave except Tiffany. This is what I'm striving by the power of the Holy Spirit to not happen in your life. She dies, and God's like, you did good. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
He died at five, but I really had for you. Ten. Just, all I need you to do is pray. See, prayer doesn't make God necessarily change it. It just makes it to where you meet it. It was already yours. It just was going to come at level eight. Is this making sense? But I was trying to convince you to come to me for 40 years at level two and four. So you, you, you died at five. Not because I didn't have a plan for you, but it took decades for me to convince you to obey one through five. Decades for you to say, okay, I'm going to write the book. Okay, I'm going to be faithful. It took years. It's not that I didn't have it for you. It's the you that I kept battling with. Maybe one of the reasons he's called a wonderful counselor is because he's trying to counsel us about the wonderful levels that God wants to take you to. He's trying to counsel you about the wonderful plans that God has for you. Before you ever had a birthday, I gave you an assignment. Was this good, y'all? Make sure you help her down. So I want to give you these these three points, and we're we're done. Y'all could celebrate the week before Christmas Eve, go home. But I really am striving to make you view your time different. That's what... I believe that will be a successful sermon series if people surrendered to Jesus from this message, repented from their sins from this message, and then had this heart. God, help me know my end to measure my days. Help me know how fleeting I am. So how do we get to a place to where we don't waste our time? It would just be ministerial injustice to not make this number one. Point number one, surrender. That's it. Surrender to Jesus, surrender to the gospel, because once you surrender, that's when you're in the elevator. People who do not surrender to Jesus, their elevator doesn't go up. Somebody said it, it goes down. (laughs) It doesn't go up. You surrender. Your time your rights, your ways, your desires, your cravings, all of me. Can I get everybody to say everything? everything. I surrender. I'm not going to have it perfect. Jesus was perfect. I put my faith in him who is perfect. And through his blood, I'm seen as perfect, not because of my life, but because of Jesus' life. And he's going to transform you. I'm not preaching a, work, a work-based faith. I'm preaching faith without works is dead. So I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. That's number one. That's how you don't get lost in time. Because if if you lost you to please them, you're losing a level. Okay? Number two, this one really blesses me. How do I not lose myself? Potter Reflections. Potter reflections. I have to constantly remember I'm made by the potter. So in other words, I'm God made. (laughs) 
I'm never going to walk around and say, I'm self-made. That's heresy. No, I'm God-made. Potter reflections. How do you distort a man's credibility? Think. I need y'all to think. How do, how do you distort a man's credibility? You attack his image. Once our elections are coming up and presidential elections coming up next year, how are they going to try to sabotage somebody's credibility? They're going to attack their image. You and I are made in the image and likeness of God. The reason a lot of people don't do Christians is because of the image bearers. Us, we are made in his image and his likeness. They don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with those who follow him. It's, he attacks the image. Part of reflections. Before you let depression lie to you another night, bro. Before you let depression lie to you another night, sis. You need to remember who made you. Or maybe depression is the real you pressed down. And the real you is so frustrated with your spirit that you are allowing other things that are keeping you from coming out. Maybe the real you is pressed down, so you're calling it depression, but it's really the Holy Spirit saying this you that you became is not the you that you're supposed to be. This conversation that God had with you in eternity, that you, you never became that. Now it makes sense why Jesus says many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name and heal the sick in your name and cast out devils in your name? And he says, I will tell them, depart from me. I never knew you because that you got lost in time. And last point, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that God can't use you? Who told you that you're too old? Who told you that? Who told you that? Could it be possible that what they told you was the enemy trying to get you to become a you that God did not call you to be? But you know who did tell you you're loved? God. You know who did tell you I seek the lost? God. You know who did tell you you're a royal priesthood? God. You know who did tell you you're a peculiar people? God. You know who did tell you you're blessed and highly favored? God. Who are you listening to? Because the voices, we did 14 weeks on it, that you're listening to is making you lose you. I'm not talking about a culture you. I'm not talking about a flexing you. I'm talking about that called you, that holy you, that godly you, that ordained you, that favored you, that blessed you. That you that I created for you to be, who are you listening to? And are they reminding you of what I call for you to do? I feel the Holy Spirit talking to somebody. Stop listening to them. They are liars. I'm calling for you to come up higher. I have pre-programmed for you to come up here. I might have to separate you for some people. You're not experiencing loneliness. You're experiencing separation. That door wasn't for you to leave. That door was for you to trust my elevator process. You don't have time to waste anymore. Stop making excuses. Because you don't know 
Your clock is done. Oh, Lord, make me know my end and the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Time is not the problem, church. It's we're wasting it. God, in this moment, forgive us. Forgive us for wasting time. Time on stuff that doesn't matter. Comments that doesn't matter. If they talked about you, they're going to talk about us. Of what people think. Far be it from us if we end this year going into a new year with the same habits. Help us to surrender. And I just feel this, y'all. Can I just get everybody just to stand? I just feel it. I want to be a man that's obedient. You're about to go home, but this is a very important moment in time. I want us, everybody, collectively, let's just lift our hands in this moment. It's not religion. This is just saying, I surrender. That's all this is. Somebody says, put your hands up. It just means I'm not trying to grab anything to harm you back. That's all this is. Can I get us just, just to say this prayer after me? God, God I, surrender. I surrender. I'm taking my hands, taking my hands off, the off the wheel of my life. Of my life. I, crash I crash when I drive. I hurt when I drive. I hurt when I drive. I'm, done I'm done with trying to lead me. I hear you. And in this moment, I respond to your call. Forgive me, God. For doing my own thing. Forgive me God. For chasing stuff. That doesn't matter. I surrender in this moment. Now strengthen my faith. Help me to detox. From fleshly, fleshly desires. I want to change. I want to grow. Save me. And thank you so much. For leaving 99. Just for, me. Just for me. I'm saved. I'm, saved. I'm, sealed. I'm sealed. Now guide me. Now guide me. Put, me Put me on your shoulders. And order my steps. Order my steps. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now hold on. Wait, wait. Wait a second. That would be casual Christianity to clap like that. What we just read is the whole kingdom rejoices when one. So when we say amen this time, I want us to give God praise that a sheep came home. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that's what heaven sounds like. Somebody's going to answer a call. Somebody's life is going to change. God gets all the glory. God, we thank you for your presence in this place.
God, we thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so good. Your mercy is never ending, Father God. God, your love is never failing. Thank you, Lord God, for every single person that made the decision today to surrender their lives to you, Father God. And I thank you, Lord God, that their lives will never be the same. Now that they've made that declaration, their lives will never be the same, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, you have given them a purpose. And everybody that is still struggling with making the decision, I thank you, Lord God, that they will make that declaration today. Lord, I pray I stand in the gap on their behalf, Father God, that they will make the decision to surrender completely to you. Not just some of the way, God. Not just most of the way, but all of the way. Thank you, Lord God, for your blood that you shed on the cross, Father God, for our sins. Lord, that's still cleaning, that's still purifying, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for the sacrifice that you made and the seal that you have placed in our lives, God, and the promise that you gave us of eternal life. If we surrender it to you, Lord God, Thank you, Lord, for the time that has been redeemed because they made the surrender to you, Lord God. Thank you for their time being redeemed, Lord God. Yes, that they will no longer be lost in time, Father. Thank you, Lord God, that their time, Lord God, will be useful now. Thank you, Lord God, that their time, furthermore, Lord God, will be spent on purpose. Yes. Lord God, that their time will be spent, Lord God, on holiness that their time will be spent on purity, that their time will be spent, Lord God, on destiny, that their time will be spent, Lord God, falling deeper and deeper in love with you. Yes, God, we give you glory today for everything that you are doing, everything that you're gonna do, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, somebody clap your hands in the place. What a beautiful thing. If you prayed that, I just want you to text the word fresh start to this number if you prayed that for the first time in your life or you're just making the decision over. A video will pop up with me just telling you you made the best decision of your life.